everyone, and welcome to another episode of Meetings with Remarkable Educators. I have a unique guest today, a young man who I've known since, how old, Dimitri? Oh, geez. Um, well, I mean, you've known my parents for longer than you've known me, but I guess we met when I was in fourth grade, third fourth grade, grade, something like that. And Dimitri's now a senior at Wilson High. Yep. And is a sound engineer aficionado and really quite, quite competent and has moved into being a co-producer of this show, for which I am very, very grateful. Welcome, Dimitri. Thank you. So yeah, we decided to do this podcast, right, because um, I've been going through and editing all of the previous podcasts and... I've been in, like, normal public school for my entire life, aside from a brief three years at uh, the Odyssey program, which was, like, a magnet school, but I didn't really know what holistic education was, and it didn't make just the things that were spoken about in previous interviews seemed like they were sort of directed towards just somewhere over my head, so... Um, I thought that if we talked about it a little bit, it could widen the audience of these podcasts. And, and I so appreciate that, Dimitri, because in my entire professional career, I've often been told that I talk a little bit over people's heads, <laughs> <laughs> which is not an endearing comment to hear. So what I'd like to do, if it's all right with you, is just open the floor, and I do really well with answering questions. All right. So what's on your mind? Well... I guess we talked about it briefly, but um, what is the briefest definition of holistic education you could give? Well, there's two ways to look at it. The briefest definition is to account for the physical, emotional, social, cognitive, and spiritual or deeper aspects of a person all in the same moment. We're never separate people. You're never, now you're emotionally developing or now you're spiritually developing. You're always a whole person. And so holistic education says, this is a whole person that I'm engaging with. And as a whole person, what I what we do together has to accommodate all of those, at least not uh, deny them, and in any way I can support them. I see. And there's one other aspect of holistic education, and that is that it's relationship-based. And just to make it quite simple, I can't really engage you in all those ways I just spoke about unless we have a meaningful relationship, unless we know each other. Like on a personal level. So Wilson High School has a mindful studies program and physical education and health and that sort of thing. Does it count as holistic education just while you're in those classes or is it... Well, you tell me, Dimitri, is there... uh, Is there a relationship with the teacher with mindful education? Well, I personally haven't had the class, but I've definitely built rapports with my teachers, like personal, I want to say personal relationships, but I guess I've never like talked to them outside of school, but it feels like a friendship. Like sometimes we would have some amount of banter or just like an understanding of each other in a certain sort of way. That's towards what we're trying to do. And there's trends 
all over that that's indicated towards what we're trying to do with holistic education. I wouldn't want to take anything away. It's just it's not quite as potent as as it could be really I see. much more easily. So I'm happy those educators were willing to talk with you in that way. That's great. And and as I can see by just looking at you right now, that that had a positive effect. Oh, definitely, yeah. Imagine if that was all of your education. That's what holistic education tries to do. So does holistic education also like push for like smaller class sizes and all of the other things that public schools theoretically strive for? Like, I don't know, like more teachers more subjects is that also kind of built in or that's kind of this that can help in the structure of the education but it really holistic education starts with a basic understanding or a basic uh, appreciation in what i would call consciousness that is what are we really trying to do together in public education, and especially as articulated by the government and even the administrations before this one, it's been how do we create citizens to compete in the global marketplace? Right. That is not the aim of holistic education. Holistic education is much more hands-off. It says, I don't know your destiny, Dimitri. I have no clue. But I do know that if the wholeness of you is nurtured, supported, if the curriculum matches strengths in you so that you feel good about yourself, that you will be the person that you need to be to make sense out of a very complex world. I see. So I guess I'm seeing all, like definitely all of those things are important, certainly at any age, but in my stage of development, I don't see how that could be particularly beneficial to me does it have more effect on children when they're younger and like does it seem to no uh, um well yes and no okay um there is uh different opportunities at different ages and that's what uh josette and my work in natural learning relationships is about and why it's an important part of holistic education that is usually in terms of development and the way children are understood it's either physical or emotional, or um, cognitive, intellectual. It's not really seen. For instance, there's nobody else I know who has really organized to understand how does trust develop in a child? How does autonomy, which I think is a big issue for people your age. Yeah. and, and, And autonomy is often confused with individual. But individual literally means to make separate. Mm-hmm. Autonomy means to self-govern. Right. How can education allow your autonomous self to really flourish? That's a very powerful question that holistic education takes on. Mm-hmm. In younger years, there's different uh, qualities of self that are uh, dominant, that are more to the fore. But in each and every case, we need to organize curriculum and relationship to meet that which is really developing in the young person. This is true through age 23, actually. Wow. So are there holistic high schools in Portland right now or anywhere in Oregon? Because I certainly haven't. I know the Summa Institute only went up to grade 8 or something. Right, yes. Um, I want to now stretch the notion of holistic to mean independent, Okay. And progressive. 
and that includes a wider field um, fields that uh, for background in John Dewey type stuff. There's uh, high schools that are dedicated to what are called democratic education. Uh, we, on the what's called the Sudbury model, we don't we have one in Southern Washington, not here in Portland. All right, and you might try to include some Waldorf stuff, some Montessori stuff, um, and you just if you open it up that way. So right. I've investigated this uh, quite thoroughly because my granddaughter Ruby is eleven, mm-hmm. which means she's not that far away, of course, from going to high school. And um, the closest that we found is a small school called Pacific Crest over on 32nd and Burnside, or just off of Burnside. And they, they, they do uh, much more curriculum that matches students' interest, much more small class, and you certainly have a lot of relationship with the teachers and that sort of thing. So that's pretty close, and I would include, include them in, in the field. I don't include certain schools that call themselves that. Uh, for instance, the Catlin Gable or uh, uh, OES or Oregon Episcopal. Did do because, they purport to be holistic? Or? No, uh, they self-report to be progressive. Oh, okay. And um, I don't see them that way. Yeah. They see themselves that way, but right. they're they're much too uh, achievement as opposed to student oriented. Right, numbers basically. Numbers, yes. Um. Yeah, I had a friend who went to OES, and it was just very intensive, intellectual. Right. Just. Right. And they claim, you see, one of the aspects that we name that always raises questions for people is that we recognize and organize ourselves to support the spiritual uh, self, the spiritual opportunity that we have. But in holistic education, that is non-sectarian. Right. And that's very important. So OES can make believe that they're that way, but Episcopalian right. yeah. runs through the school in many, many ways. Right. I think they literally have mass from time to time, I believe. Sure. So <laughs> That sort of thing. So that's an incredible question. And we have some um, podcasts coming by uh, Tobin Hart. Sam Crowell and a few other people who we've now recorded but haven't finished editing, who will bring forth some very interesting and exciting understandings of non-sectarian holism in education. And Marnie Binder, uh, her work in art in children is, is really indicative of this as well. So that's an important part, and we are upfront about that. There is a spiritual nature. We have a greater consciousness. We have incredible opportunities for relationship, for empathy, for knowing ourselves really interconnected in a powerful way. Right. Something I've thought about from time to time throughout editing these things is would they have something like a sound engineering course or like a digital media design course? Like, can a holistic program gain like raise the money for that because like the room at my school is like ten fifteen thousand dollars worth of equipment and they're for as few as a hundred kids is that possible in a small setting like that well first let's acknowledge that wilson is one of the more better endowed public public high schools in portland wilson and lincoln particularly 
Um, the that and that's great. Thank goodness for that. Do yeah. you actually have class time to do that, or is that extracurricular for you? Oh no, I well, it's both definitely. But I actually take the class Sound Engineering three four, um, and I get a credit for it. That's great. That's fantastic. In a holistic school, in a holistic high school, there would be that. And there would be many other things as well that are more unique and more speak to the proclivities and strengths of any given student. Now, it might not be that we could afford what a public high school can at times, especially one where parents contribute. But then there would be opportunity and support to go off campus and relationships are easily made by high schools, uh, by any schools with the general uh, commercial public, with businesses. So you could actually be placed in a business to use their equipment and even perhaps an internship. These are avenues that are often pursued in holistic high schools. That actually sounds really great. I feel like that's the type of thing that that would be like a really easy thing that public high school could jump onto as well if the word got out about that type of thing. Although I guess it just can't service that many people or... Yeah, I don't know. Like public, the public high school, the, the difficulties in public high school are, are many in terms right. of providing yeah. that sort of thing. Well, let me ask you a question, Dimitri. Oh, okay. um, I would imagine in whether it's called health or whatever that you've had sex ed. Uh, yes, multiple times. Multiple times. And is it always about penises and vaginas and the way things fit together and different the rhythms of the body and basically biological and physiological stuff um the first well so for the first time when i was in fifth grade definitely yeah it was pretty straightforward in that sort of way the second time at odyssey a history magnet school we had one of the counselors come in and talk about it and it was a little bit less of that because it wasn't like in fifth grade, literally the teacher just showed a film that just went over the biological details, basically mm-hmm. uh, broke the news. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but then surprisingly in my health class, there were a lot of other things involving like consent um, basically what it's like how sex is viewed in other countries and how it's like kind of odd here. And that like, um, basically just the way that society, society here, um, like can cast out people who are known to have, be having sex at like before marriage or under 18 or that type of thing. Like, um, in Sweden or Holland or one of those countries over there, um, somebody conducted an interview and parents and like children would actually have conversations about it and like come to an agreement and actually like the parents would be like, okay. And accept that their child was having sex under the age of 18 or whenever, um, which was interesting. There were other things just about general men- mental health in that as well. But um, how about just the the relationship 
just like what does it really mean to have a sexual relationship? What are the feelings and experiences in terms of the importance of whom you do it with, the uh, the the after the a- afterwards, whether or not the relationship persists, how you make a decision or don't make a decision to engage that? Was there anything in that in your health education? Um, I'm trying to recall. We had this really awesome woman come in and speak from Planned Parenthood um, about that type of thing. If she talked about that, I'm not really remembering it that much. But um, it's it was kind of one of those things that, yeah, it was like glossed over and just there were, were use, words used like intense, like sex is a very intense <laughs> experience or like the feelings you may be having will be overpowering or just very general blanket terms right. like that. Like it's this really big deal. I guess it didn't go into detail though. Well, in, in holistic education, you would there would be roundtable discussions. It's very, very important. I'm sure you can agree. It's right. a very important part of growing up. It's a very important part of... Um, of of meaning in relationship, it has huge effects. Uh, even when we don't stay with the same partner, how we view the next partner, how we begin to develop our sense of relationship, and then specific issues like oral sex or different things like that, which are all part of sexuality for some people at different times of their life. Oh yeah, so that is now incorporated, like all the oral sex, gay sex, like that's mentioned and briefed and like i mean there were like she brought in dental dams for the people who might already have an std in high school i don't know Mm -hmm. that type of thing okay so anyway this just just to contrast it a little bit and i'm so happy that there is progress in in this compared to when i went to school you can imagine So at any rate, in a holistic school, we would go into all of that. We would go into your fears and concerns at the moment whenever we were talking about it. We would allow for that to be you and okay and allow a really profound looking back because we all carry so much energy around sexuality to really look back at ourselves in that. Right. At your age and even younger, in high school and up, meaning-making is a really important part of holistic education understanding how we make meaning out of our world, which is a he, just a fundamental question in life that's ignored. Yeah. Just to give an example. That's a good example. This is one of my favorite wise fool stories. The wise fool was on an airplane, and the captain's voice came over the loudspeaker and said, I'm sorry to tell you, one of our engines is out, and we're going to be an hour late in landing. Well, a murmur, of course, ran through the cabin and among the other passengers, but the wise fool stood up and said, Hey, hey, it's one hour. Relax. So everyone calmed down until the captain's voice came over the loudspeaker again and said, I'm sorry to tell you, a second engine's out, and we're going to be two hours late in landing. Well, now there was much consternation among the passengers, but the wise fool stood up and said, Hey, hey, it's better than going on donkey back, isn't it? Well, calmed by this irrefutable logic, 
The people sort of relaxed until the captain's voice came over the loudspeaker again and said, I'm sorry to tell you that a third engine is out, and we're going to be three hours late in landing. And the wise fool jumped up and said, I hope that last engine doesn't go out, or we'll be up here all day. Can you find meanings in this story about education? If so, send your insights to Bob at lovemoreconsulting.com. A three-person panel will select the most relevant stories, and they will be read at the end of a subsequent podcast. Again, that's ba at l-u-v-m-o-u-r-c-o-n-s-u-l-t-i-n-g dot com. I look forward to your insights and to learning from you. Those insights selected will receive a copy of the award-winning book so valuable for parents and educators. Grow Together, Parenting as a Path to Well-Being, Wisdom, and Joy by Dr. Josette Lovemore. Yes, we have the same last name, and we are married, and we have been working together in holistic education for more than 30 years. But that's not the reason I offer this book. Check out her many accolades and the book reviews on our website, lovemoreconsulting.com. So when, when I heard some of the things about the Summa Institute, I really wanted in. Like I wanted to go. <laughs> I was like, no homework? What? Can they really do that? But I don't really remember, or I don't think I even understood at the time, what a day would have really been like there. What types of things did the kids, was there a lot of learning going on in the general sense that public school takes it? Was there testing? Was there... Um, Okay, that's the most common question. And I want to point out that every holistic school is different. Right. Every progressive school is different. So I don't want what we did at SUMA to be the template for others. But a day in the life would have been, you come at around uh, 8.30, 29, and the first 20, 25 minutes are just easy socializing because, hey, we're here. Right. <laughs> we're going to spend all these hours together. So let's just get relaxed and let's try to be with each other and that sort of thing. Then um, you would then physical education every single day for 40 minutes. And that was uh, many times cooperative activity, really these, well, what happens, which is typical in a holistic school, is we start off with this plan, which was brilliantly conceived around um, this combination of using the basketball court with a football and dodgeball and capture the flag, some sort of mishmash of all that. I see. And then the the students develop their own version of it. Hey, it's not working this way. Hey, we should add this. And before too long, it's very popular. That was outdoors and indoors. There would be dance or yoga or just any sorts of indoor type activities for the kids who weren't going outdoors. So there were two physical activities. You had to choose one. Then it's back to the classroom, and then it's off to uh, traditional academic endeavors. Um, Not taught traditionally, though. Um, And whatever 
using whatever materials, curriculum, trips in the neighborhood, whatever was necessary to uh, learn whatever was needed to learn. Some uh, some educators would use something as traditional as Khan, Khan Academy for math. Right. Others would look at that and just go, oh, never, <laughs> never. Let me ask you a question, Dimitri. What, what, when, what's the equal sign? What does it mean for something to be equivalent? Um, well, I mean, I could just give synonyms of equal, but I guess... Um, oh, let me ask you same. this way. Did anyone, did anyone ever ask you that question or were you just told, this is the equal sign and this is how you operate with it? Um, I guess I don't really remember either because it's just been in there so for so long. But I guess I couldn't really imagine somebody asking that, at least not at the elementary school that I went to. At SUMA, you would be at, that would be an inquiry for anywhere from third grade up, and it would happen several times. The, and every other operator, uh, subtraction, all the others, uh, division, less than, more than, all those sorts right, of things. Right, well, I've thought about those, but I guess the equal right, well, sign is, what is yeah. particularly odd in that way. It's very odd. And one of the, the one that I like best came from a fifth grade class who said, well, it means that the things, the, the, the uh, entities on, the, on one side are either true or with the entities or they're false. They're either true together or false together. Think about that. That's a completely different way than just saying, oh, here's this operator. Saying, whoa, they're either true or false. And then you can expand it to biology and physics and all sorts of other places because what you're looking for then is, is the truth. I suppose so. If I if I were in that class, I guess I would have talked about the continuum between truth and falseness, but and the equal sign being yeah. where it turns over. I don't know about that. I, <laughs> okay. At any rate, if you of, yeah. if you did that, we would you would be wow that would be welcome by far. Yeah, I mean, we've already <laughs> been, and and then we would go into it. What right. do you mean? Does anybody else have any ideas? Can we just maybe somebody can draw something to help us understand? How can we go about this? Dimitri, I know you love music. Maybe there's something in music that has equivalency in it for you. Right. And I mean, there's also many different uh, operators working around the equal sign in computer science that all do slightly different things. Right. Um, so we would start there at SUMA. We start with. Not just the rote, oh, two plus two equals four. But what are these things we're doing? What are we right. using? How are we using them? Can we use them anywhere else? Those kinds of questions. So that approach is an approach, say, to mathematics that's based in trying to understand what we're doing as opposed to just the rote aspects of it. And then the rote aspects of it are covered as well. But if you understand what you're doing, you don't need to do 4,000 problems at home yeah. <laughs> that all look right. ridiculously similar mm -hmm. and that cause arguments with you and your parents. Did you do your homework yet? Oh, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> or 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. Don't ask to see it. Right. Yes. So, and homework, by the way, there's no research that supports homework as, as uh, necessarily valuable in learning. I've had classes where there weren't homework and I ended up thinking more about it just on my own time. Sure. Otherwise, like if and, I was truly interested in it. And if you're not curious about it, then you're not going to learn. Let's go to another part of holistic education, which tries to take brain research very seriously. And in brain research, we know that the limbic system, which is also called the mammalian brain and is right in the center of your head, is a mediator of emotion. And at the same time, it's the mediator of memory. And when you look back at your life, you will see that you remembered according to the emotional quality of the event, not the data. So if you don't like math and I give you 200 problems, you can do them, but you will not retain them because they don't have an emotional value. What you will remember is disdain and dissatisfaction. Right. I didn't like it. I didn't like the teacher. Right. That kind of thing. Absolutely. So your curiosity is a clue for a holistic educator as to not only what to teach, but how to teach it. That's awesome, actually. I think I also heard something about how, Oh, I guess this is kind of unrelated, uh, but it's just interesting that it reminded me of how generally the first things that people can remember is when they start putting things into words, just because that's once you can describe it in your head, then you can remember it, which I don't know. Well, that that's relate, an important part of learning also because holistic educator certain, education certainly includes very early childhood education. And when that three things are happening at that time, and it's a very significant moment in development, sometime between two and a quarter and three years of age, a little longer, a little less, whatever. And that is that, number one, the corpus callosum in your brain is activated. That's the that runs down the center of your brain, and it allows the two hemispheres to talk to each other. So all of a sudden, the, the everything is starting to work together, and you can go from a specific naming of an object, this is a recorder, to noticing, oh, there's a whole series of recorders. Hmm. The um the second thing is that physically and just in terms of your body development, generally speaking, you're much more able to take care of yourself. That is, right. toddlers toddle, and they'll go anywhere. And it's, it's in many supermarkets, it's the two-and-a-half and, and three-year-olds who are wandering alone down the aisles yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's an extremely important moment in development. In terms of memory, what's happened is we've gone – from episodic memory. That is, if you can recall a memory before about two and a half or three, it's the, it's an episode. It's just like, oh, this I have this right. notion. But after that age, it's called autonoetic memory. Auto meaning self, noetic meaning that you have an awareness of yourself. So for the first time, you're in the center of your memories. And that's what you're pointing to. That's exactly what you're noticing. 
I want to go back and just finish a right. day in the life. Yeah. So there'll be 45 minutes or so of academics, whatever it might be. Then a break, a good 15 or 20 minutes, go outside, run around, or maybe you're autistic, take time and draw, relax, kick around. Then another academic block, right? And then lunch recess for an hour. And then in afternoons, there'd be one more academic block. These academic blocks are 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, wow, that's awfully short. Yeah, but it's not if you're in... Well, yes, I guess, even when you were younger. Yeah, honestly. And then um, project-based learning. Project-based learning in our school. We were the only school I know who did whole school project-based learning. That means you had kindergartners and eighth graders. They would all work together? All working together on a given project. But then we also did things with just two or three classes working on different projects at the same time. Project-based learning is great because you have to bring all your skills to it. There's the whole interpersonal and emotional learning involved. The organization and the planning. Right. And the, yeah, only just now are we starting to delve into that in senior year computer science pretty significantly i'm working with like four other people on the project and it's like if they had emphasized this in earlier years i feel like this would come a lot more naturally and really emphasize it in the years about eight to about 12 because the that is the burgeoning sense of community you know so many people these days talk about community and 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 appropriately and wanting social justice right but what they don't seem to realize is that there's a developmental window in which we learn that just like there's a developmental window in which we learn language and that developmental window is between 8 and 12 so if we don't create project based learning and education during those years then the social and emotional learning which, of course, triggers that mammalian brain to say, this is great, Yeah, doesn't happen. And we don't get a chance to mentor the young people in that. And because we don't mentor the young people in a project like that, then they don't get to see one another and learn about one another. And boys and girls learn they have much more in common than they have different. Right. And all that, that was, sort of thing. I remember I went on a one of the boys to men retreat type things. And somebody told me that when I was in like seventh grade or something, and it absolutely blew my mind. And I was in disbelief for a long time. (laughs) Well, the culture wants this, wants you separate, wants you to believe you're separate. And then it can sell you all sorts of things to make believe that you can get together. But you are together. It's really not the problem (laughs) that it's cracked up to be. All right. So anyway, going back, I remember you talking about the physical education at the beginning of every day. Why is that so important for all of the grades at all? Because I mean, I took the last year of P I took was freshman year and I haven't had it since. Like, do you think that's an important part of education? I don't want to comment at the high school level. I I think there's a lot more opportunity for each student to self-govern who they are in that. For instance, at Pacific Crest, they have an agreement with the local climbing gym, but it's optional. 
whether the students go or not. But younger, yes, here's why it's important. You come from home, and you come with all the stuff from home. And we register these things in our body. Again, holistic. What the emotions, the experience of home, most people get up. Right. Go to, do, you know, brush your teeth. Do this, do that, do this. Get out of the house. Oh, you're at school. And the kids come in. It's like, okay, I made it. I'm here. And then that's not a good learning moment. So you want to create a good learning moment. So you get it out of your body. You just go, oh, let's just run around, have a good time. Let's learn something, a skill, a throwing skill, a dancing skill. And in doing that, I start to relax and I start to go, this school is a pretty cool place. <laughs> we can come here and just do that. And, yeah. and, that's, and so then we start to relax. So then I have a little snack and I go into learning and I'm there because my body's not saying, nervous, get out, jump around. <laughs> I don't know about you, Dimitri, but when I went to school, my knee went a thousand miles an hour while I was sitting in class. Oh, every so often I'll have something like that for some reason particularly when i'm like fatigued or yeah. just like sleep deprived yeah. or something like that definitely well one more thing i just want to make sure we will cover and that is that um you brought up the idea of homework and right. the testing and that sort of thing and those those activities homework testing are designed to move a person along to come out again in a, able to compete in the global marketplace. And holistic education, as I said, takes a risk. But I don't want to make believe that it's woo-woo, wah-wah, oh, take a risk, everything's cool. Right. Because it's not that way. First, I want to root holistic education in the understanding of emergence. Now, emergence is a paradigm that is coming in our world and has actually been here since quantum mechanics, the theory of relativity, ethnographies in, um, in anthropology and cultural anthropology. I could go on and on. Humanistic psychology, existential philosophy, the merging of East and West philosophies that's going on, the merging of quantum mechanics and spiritual experiences that is also taking place right now. There's these very powerful fields that are coming together and they're all saying the same thing, which is basically that it's a non-linear world. It's not just cause-effect, 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 mm. but it's a world in which whatever happened in time one affects time two along with many other things that affect time two right. so something else can emerge. And again, that's the basis of relationship. We each come honest and honorable in it and allow something else to emerge that neither of us knew before. Otherwise, we'd get bored with each other. So that understanding of emergence, which is a, a, a coming dominant paradigm, is at the basis of holistic education. That is, as, as you emerge into your deeper, more complex more whole self, if you will, you will have greater and greater opportunity to participate in this world in ways that satisfy your curiosity and bring you happiness and also, no doubt, will bring you an income. I would hope so. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of which, I guess, 
would a holistic high school or even, I mean, as early as middle school, I started getting actual like high school credits that a college would accept. Is there any of that in holistic education? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And I've, and I want to, and this answers another question you have. Every student at SUMA who went on to either high school or transferred schools or went back to public school for financial reasons did well in their new institution. So you asked, well, do you learn the skills? Well, first you learn how to learn, which means you can apply it across the board, and then you learn enough of the skills so that if those skills are required, you can dive in and apply them. So um, that's really important. What was your question again? Um, Transcripts, basically. Are there transcripts? Yes. So and there's, like there's grading and right, and it's this is very acceptable now. There are a long, long evaluations, three and four and five pages, which actually go through each academic subject, as well as uh, social emotional development, and describe the kind of learner the child is, and the student, and tries to describe as deep an understanding of the student as possible to pass on to the next next educator. That's totally understandable. And students in holistic schools, if they desire, have no problem going to universities. Absolutely no problem. And I personally have shepherded and shepherded a dozen different people in that way into uh, really top-end universities. That sounds great. One of my teachers that I I didn't have him for the whole year, um, but he, we really got to become friends, and we talked a while about just like the inner workings of a public school. He was basically like, "There's this thing here called um, virtual scholars, which is basically where you get thirty kids in a room, they all have computers, and they're redoing a course that they failed in the past." And he, his prediction that he was very adamant about that was basically in the next decade or two, every classroom is just going to be taught like that, where you have like 10 teachers in the entire district who are basically like remoted into the computers and they'll give a lecture to 200, 300 students through virtual scholars and then the students will do things like Khan Academy and send it in, like send one major assessment in and they'll bring more teachers into like a stadium and like grade all of them at once and evaluate it. Do you think that's, does that seem like, what does that pose for the future of holistic education? If that were to happen, do you think there's still going to be a demand for Oh, yes, I I think there'll be more demand um, if that unfortunate (laughs) future does unfold with us. And I know it is partly here already, but there'll be an ever more demand. You know, Dimitri, I'm 70 years old. I organic farmed in 1979. I, you name, I walked in Take Back the Night, which was a feminist movement against rape in 1971 in New York City. So I've been around, 
and I've been involved for many, many years. And I've watched, on the one hand, the, uh, a deterioration occur in the environment, uh, I think in um, the politics and so on. And on the other hand, I've watched this groundswell come up when organic food, right. now it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. And that's good. That's good because yeah. it tastes better and it's better for the soil right. and it's all those things. And that's been true all along. When I first went to an acupuncturist, I think there were two in where I lived. And now, they're thank everywhere. goodness, they're everywhere because I think it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's great to have that option. So the, the, there's, there, is, there are these countervailing forces happening. And I don't know much about who wins or who loses or anything right. like that. But I do know that the more – there's a line in the Tao Te Ching, which I've always loved. It says, the more laws there are, the more outlaws there are. So mm. I, I think that you have to be really careful here. And there's a huge groundswell in academia, in film, in the arts, certainly in education to go – wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, I really want to look at my child as a cog in a machine. Or do I want to look at that child as radiant, beautiful, and able to live the life that is important and meaningful to them? Jeez, have you ever read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, sure. Oh, when it <laughs> first just, was published. I'm just hearing it all over the place in here, like just yeah. being part of the combine, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah, it's a pretty intense story. Well, thank you. Oh, Dimitri, let's talk forever. I love it. <laughs> Meetings with Remarkable Educators is a production of Lovemore Consulting 2 LLC. Copyright Ba and Josette Lovemore, 2018. Our sound engineer, Dimitri Young. Our webmaster, Nathan Young. And our all-important media maven, Cleo Young. All podcasts are transcribed with show notes and can be found at lovemoreconsulting.com slash podcasts. Please visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash remarkableeducators to help us reach more listeners and to invite more remarkable educators to engage us with their inspiring work and ideas in holistic education. Bon and Josette Lovemore would also like to thank Self-Design Graduate Institute. We teach there, and at Self-Design, we nurture each learner's ability to explore inner and outer worlds and discover his or her own deep understanding and vision. Go to the SDGI website and see for yourself. That's www.selfdesigninstitute.org. This is Ba Lovemore, reminding you that holistic relationships with children leads to joy and self-knowledge with the adults in their lives. With respect for you and for children everywhere, see you next time.